What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LLC Podcast. My name is Harrison, Worship Arts Director. Good to be with you. Hey, this is Mike Moses, lead pastor of Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. Uh, today, I'm going to update you on the uh, what may be the next Lake Forest Church plant, mm-hmm. Harrison. Uh, I want to uh, address the part of Ch- James chapter 2, the first part of James chapter 2, on not showing favoritism that was not in the sermon Sunday. We did the second half of James 2, but I'd like to address it here. Uh, And last week, I was in Denver, Colorado all week with some of our pastors at our annual denominational meeting, and I'd love to tell you what's on the the top of mind of our denomination and how I almost got killed. That sounds fun. Um, Kilt. Kilt is the way my my, uh, cousins... Up in them our hills, you gonna get, say it. You gonna get killed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, Mike, I submitted. Not a thing you wear, but something that happened to <laughs> that's you. That's right, kilt. Mm-hmm. Um, I submitted three recommendations for the next uh, uh, Lake Forest that I would be willing to go help at. I, I suggested uh, Hilton Head, oh. <laughs> uh, Miami Beach. And uh, somewhere, somewhere, maybe in Asheville in the mountains. So those did, those did, were did those... voted down. Oh, we're already supporting a church plant in Asheville, Harrison. Okay. And our mission trip just was with them all weekend. They, uh, oh my gosh, I, I just talked to two people who were on the trip, and they uh, uh, served food to those on the streets, and they had a great week and um, and loved our our partner church plant there. But Sunday night we had a meeting. We, we invited anybody in our database who's ever visited or worshipped at Lake Forest in the Concord area, sort of uh, from the Caber- uh, Mecklenburg County line over to uh, at Cabarrus on 73, mm-hmm. over to downtown Concord, which if you haven't done like a day date or, a, or an evening date to the cool old downtown Concord, you should do that. Yeah. All of you. Uh, Angie and I uh, have done that once in a while. But. We met, so we invited anybody to an interest meeting of a potential next Lake Forest family of church that would be maybe Concord-based. We had the interest meeting. A bunch of people said, I'm interested in that. And so we met Sunday night in Table 11, the restaurant on Main Street. I don't know what it's called. It is Main Street. I think it's Union Street in Concord. We met at Table 11, owned by ministry partners, Katie and Bob Vanetta. That was pretty cool. And there was just a lot of um, interest and enthusiasm uh, for a Lake Forest church. We're not the best church. We're not the only church. But we are a unique church. And there were a number of folks whose lives have been influenced here. They've gotten closer to Christ or come to faith in Christ. There were a couple of people I baptized at, the, at that meeting Sunday night uh, who are expressing extreme interest in being part of making that happen so That's we'll awesome. see that that uh, we haven't had a meeting of our elders since then to be like are we going to do that yeah. or not <laughs> those people were ready tomorrow harrison like tomorrow and it wasn't just lake forest huntersville uh there was a, a couple who discovered faith in christ at lake forest westlake in denver mm-hmm. and now they're building a house in concord and they're like can we can we do this next week they love pastor aaron's teaching at Westlake, it was it was adorable. That's awesome. Uh, it, yeah. What what's the um for you as lead pastor of Lake Forest family of churches? What what are the main you know couple things that you're like your fingers on the pulse of that something's just telling you like 
hey, I feel like it's about time to to start the train rolling towards the next like family. What are those things in you that it's like, yeah, that that's this is why this makes sense to me right now. Well, number one, it's been a year and a half since we launched U City, so it's and, just time, and that's just too long. Yeah, we are a church planning church. That is our unique talent in the body of Christ among other churches. Our denomination just celebrated that and put us at the head for part of the national meeting last week of like, hey, this is, look at this, uh, in a good way. Yeah. You, know, like you, mm-hmm. you need exemplars in every aspect of life, and, and that happens to be the area in which the Lord has made us an exemplar church. So that, number two, the elders have said, dude, we have a lot of money burning a hole in our pocket we set aside 3% of everything given to Lake Forest, Huntersville, Westlake, U-City, and El Buen Samaritano. And it goes into a church multiplication fund. Nice. And we let that build up uh, right over time. And, and, then, and then we, so it's lumpy. We let it build up and then we plant a new church and we spend it down. Um, there is a bunch of money burning a hole in our pocket, and it's dedicated. I mean, like, it's sacralized. You're not touching that because we need a better speaker system in our worship center or whatever. It is dedicated. That's sacred money. Um, so, like, the money's ready, and it's almost ready for two. So we're think- awesome. we, we may advertise for a church planter candidate who feels called to plant in Concord, North Carolina. We we may advertise Harrison. <laughs> Who feels called to plant a Lake Forest church in Concord or Belmont or Hickory? Hmm. And see see who God calls, who might have a heart for one of those other places and they may have connections there to people uh and they just need to partner with someone like us to help make it happen. So, okay. That's awesome. Enough about that. I said I was going to uh, um I'm going to address the concept of child sacrifice, which was included in my in the second half of James 2. But first, last week we were in Denver, Colorado for our denomination's General Assembly. That's the name of our annual meeting. Sounds very fancy. Mm-hmm. Of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And we reaffirm every year, you know, our, our identity as a denomination. And there are four identity words. I'm going to do uh, two fours. <laughs> there are four identity words for who the Evangelical Presbyterian Church is. We are a family of evangelical, reformed, Presbyterian, and missional congregations. Evangelical means focused on the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It does not mean the the political or subcultural stuff that uh, that word means often in our culture today it's a historic word it's a bible word we want to hold on to it and not let the culture re over define it for us reform just means in our theology going back to the protestant reformation we are our theology is is inherited from the root of the protestant reformation there have been a lot of branches off of that including baptist but the root of it is a discovery uh, a rediscovery of the sovereignty of God uh, and uh, and the primacy of grace in our salvation and in the sanctification of saints. Uh, and so that is our historic, those are our theological roots and, and the lens through which we understand Scripture. Uh, Presbyterian, so the, the four words, evangelical, reformed, 
Presbyterian and missional. Presbyterian is our form of government. We are elder. That's a uh, the in the New Testament, the word for elder is presbyterios, uh, and so it just means elder led. That's all that that word means, and it stands for our polity, the way we govern our churches. Uh, that we think is uh, is the biblical model. Um, elders leading the church, discerning the will of the Holy Spirit uh, t- together as a plurality, not the singularity of a pastor or a bishop at the head of the church. Uh, and then the fourth identity word for our denomination is missional, which means outward-focused, both in evangelism and mission. Uh uh, in some ways, we are an exemplar church in our denomination of being missional. In other ways, I'm really encouraged and challenged by the profoundly outward focus of many of our sister churches around the country in the EPC. They're, uh, I'm just super encouraged rubbing shoulders with many of these churches of their commitment to missions. Um there are about 650 EPC churches around the country. Charlotte has a cluster of them, in part because of our church planting <laughs> efforts. Um, uh, interestingly, I, I had not realized this. I was looking at the church statistics. We, were pl- we planted Lake Forest in 1998. At the same time, River Oaks Community Church EPC planted themselves in Winston-Salem, North Carolina and Hope Community Church, EPC, planted themselves in Richmond. All three of, and those are three of my closest pastor buddies today. We have a monthly conference called David and David are those pastors. <laughs> and, uh, however, we've tracked, oddly, we planted at the same time and we've encouraged each other. We've all grown uh, to be over 1,000 and then over 2,000 people, all three of those churches. Since and we were planted in 1998. Since 1998, no other EPC churches have been planted that have grown over a thousand people, except mm. for two. Guess which ones? <laughs> I'm going to guess that they are church plants within uh, this network of three, huh? Lake Forest Church Davidson, which is now Story Hill Church, yep. now exceeds a thousand on <clears throat> Christmas Eve and Easter. Yep. And the same thing with Lake Forest Church Westlake in Denver. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I I didn't know that those are the only two. Um, uh, so. Yeah, this makes me happy. That's awesome. That's just reaching a lot of people. Yeah. Um, okay. Great. And the other f- number four from our denominational meeting in Colorado, where I almost died. All of us did. There's a thousand people. We were meeting at the second largest church in our denomination, Cherry Hills Community Church in um, Highlands Ranch, Colorado. It's a, it's a very, very wealthy suburb of Denver. Um, this church is, is a bunch of thousand people, wonderful congregation, Cherry Hills Community Church. You can look it up, uh, Highlands Ranch, Colorado. They have a Christian school. That's part of their mission. That's not our deal. We have a Christian preschool. They have a Christian school that goes all the way through high school, Valor Christian School. Guess what former star Carolina Panthers player graduated from that high school? Thomas Davis. Incorrect. <laughs> um, 
Christian McCaffrey. Hey, cool. That he went to that his family. That's awesome. Was a part of that church, and he oh, went to that high school. I should have known that Denver Ed McCaffrey. Oh, I, I'm disappointed in. I'm you. disappointed in myself. I bet you some of our listeners got that correct. <laughs> they probably did. So it was a great. It's a great, <laughs> wonderful church. I love that church. Um, their worship was outstanding. We worshiped twice a day. I told you I have some takeaways to mm-hmm. for you and I to talk about. Yep. But um, uh, the so the other number four. Oh. oh a tornado hit on Thursday afternoon. It was Thursday afternoon about 3 o'clock. There's a 1,000 people in this room. We're, we're meeting about some stuff, and everybody's phone goes off at once. You know that sound, that, that disaster sound mm-hmm. that you hate on your yep. TV yep. when there's a weather warning? Everybody's phone went off at the same time, and it wasn't, hey, there might be a tornado somewhere in the region. It was go to a... a uh, a windowless room right now and hug a toilet kind of thing. Like there's a tornado. It's about to hit right where you are. Yep. Whatever the message was. Yeah. Uh, so we stopped the meeting. We were in a room with big windows, unlike our sanctuary. Um, can we, do we call it a sanctuary? Yeah. Worship sure. center. Worship center. And we all went into basements and hallways. And first, at first it was like, you know, kind of cool. Aaron Gibson and I were Aaron Gibson Terrell Huntley and Jeff Cook and I shared an Airbnb for the week in Denver. And Aaron and I were hanging out at that moment, and we were like, yo, whatever. Um, let's go over. Let's, let's actually cheat and find a window and watch you know, the wind go by. And then this huge gust shook the whole building, and they said, everybody, quit playing around. You, you just sit down against an interior wall, and we went into this windowless room. And the roof was shaking, Harrison. The building shook. Um, Somebody had a heart attack. Like, this was a thousand people, and there is a, everybody's looking on their phone at their radar. There is a tornado headed at this building. You can see it on the radar. And it got serious. There was a heart attack. Uh, That man ended up being okay. I didn't see that. I heard about it later. But the anxiety, Hmm. and then. It turned out all these Presbyterians, evangelical Presbyterians, actually have faith in Jesus because there were prayers in the part of the building I was in. There was singing. Uh, I mean, I got anxious, honestly. And the guy next, and, and I talked to the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I like my life. I like my family. I like my church and my job. I would like to be here for more of it. I, like, I, I, I prayed that. I haven't prayed that way about possibility of death since my car spun on i-77 in a rainstorm 20 something years ago and i even though that was like a a second i prayed all that um and my life flashed before me uh so it turned out uh, in a news article written later that night the, the weather channel showed the path of the tornado and it passed a block from the church campus and we felt it mm. and when we when we emerged it did not hit the building when we emerged half of the trees on the campus were blown over in one direction onto the playground onto the building there was two inches of water in the children's wing some windows were blown out all that kind of thing um no one was hurt in highlands ranch colorado you could google the tornado if you wanted it was last thursday it, it ended up taking off roofs and doing the kind of damage it did on that church building, but it did not make a direct hit on any single structure, and um, no one was killed, thankfully. Power's out and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Anyway, I've never... Have you ever been in the presence of a tornado like that? Not like that. I grew up in South Florida, so I've been around plenty of hurricanes. 
growing up that mm-hmm. have some some scary moments in them but uh no the the whole tornado thing uh terrifying so it was no trippy yeah and when we went crazy. back to our airbnb in that area there was hmm. severe hail and the hail was like piles that had collected wow. off the roof on the ground were like a foot high that's it was crazy intense. okay that's just crazy crazy what have i that that had no meaning to it friends no but it was a good story but but that's my experience since nobody was hurt it was and, a good story and notice i didn't shoehorn it into the sermon because it didn't fit yeah so <laughs> one I, day i'm though. proud of myself for that yeah it's mm-hmm. sitting there though one day it can make its, it's way sitting in. there yeah. yeah like the like when the chips are down do you actually trust jesus mm. and eternity yeah and that all that's real and that was all real for those Presbyterians. <laughs> the other number four from our denominational assembly, uh, we've the current leadership has done a great job of focusing our gathering, our annual gathering, and our regional gatherings. This is the annual one. Rather than what used to be in old denominationalism, a bunch of business, get together, make some motions, talk about the budget, and it feels like the churches are there to support the institution. We flipped that. To be a missional denomination that's biblical and relevant in the 21st century, we flipped it. Uh, and I was involved in this when I, why, when I was in some of the national leadership circles. So that the, the purpose of the denomination is to serve and equip the member churches to do the Great Commission of Jesus. And the meetings should be 80% equipping, teaching, encouragement, inspiration, and only 15, 20% business. And I felt like that was finally fully achieved at this mm. meeting. And so what we so even so the leader said the title of the meeting instead of it being called General Assembly of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church it was called Gospel Priorities Summit. Nice. And General Assembly of the EBC. How awesome is that? So we have four gospel priorities. I'll just name them. I'm not going to talk about them. Church multiplication, and I was invited to be uh, a primary speaker on that. Uh, and I cast some vision to the denomination and cried and got up in people's grill the way I do. Yep. Uh, church multiplication, number one. Number two is, uh, how, oh, what's our word for this? <laughs> um, uh, church health which mostly especially means revitalization because 80% of American churches, and, and this is true in our denomination, are plateaued or declining. Mm-hmm. And so revitalization, we have process, we have coaching for that. Effective biblical leadership is a third priority, and then being a global movement, um, which is about planting churches internationally. So two of those are actually about planting churches. Mm-hmm. One is multiplication in North America, and I, I laid out a bu- blueprint and a mathematical equation for how the EPC can move from addition church planting to multiplication, and I'll be helping to lead a conference on that for pastors of larger churches in October back out in Colorado Springs. Um, so, okay, do you... It's awesome. I, I know you you have burning questions. Surely you have at least one question about our denominational meeting last week in, in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Make one up. I uh well can you can you share a one minute mic of what Jeff uh, Cook shared with us a little bit about yesterday in our staff meeting, which was just some of the makeup of the leadership team. I thought was cool and how the EPC is uh, choosing leaders for itself in 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 ways that align with some stuff that we're interested the in. The EPC is ahead of us. 
at Lake Forest and having a Revelation 7-9 vision. It's not one of those four vision projects, but it's something that is a qualitative commitment, biblical commitment to infuse all of it, which is to become a denomination that looks more like a, that serves who America is today, not yesterday when it was almost all white. And our the EBC is overwhelmingly made up of suburban and country churches that are predominantly Anglo. And the commitment is to, by planting new churches the way we have uh, among a Spanish-speaking congregation and in the U-City area that is multiracial, and we planted a multiracial church there. It's blessedly, Lake Forest U-City is multiracial. And all of our churches aspiring to what we are aspiring to, which is at Lake Forest Huntersville, which is to look like much more like ours, to look like the block that I live on, yep. Harrison. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're that the Lord's meeting us in that desire, and uh, blessedly. But on this, yeah, Jeff at a staff meeting yesterday, he gave an update of the denomination to our staff, who were like, "What's the name of our denomination again?" Because I don't <laughs> do a good job of that. They just know I'm away at some meetings. But Jeff did a really good job of saying, "Hey, you guys should know about our denomination and the." important like really visionary stuff going on and he showed a picture and at the start of the meeting the four leaders on the stage of our denomination right now one is the uh, current moderator who is a female elder in one of our Seattle churches she's an executive C-suite coach in business kick tail leader and she preached it incredible so there's Mm. a woman at the as the president of our denomination right now and then the incoming president is a Korean-American young single pastor planting house churches in Philadelphia. Joe Kim, like that guy. That's awesome. uh, and then the third leader he showed was uh, one of my good best friends in the denomination, Dean Weaver, who's the like the lead pastor staff. Why he transitioned from being a pastor of a large EPC church in in uh, Pittsburgh recently to becoming the new head of staff for our denomination. The Presbyterian word for that is stated clerk, but it really means like lead pastor or executive pastor of the denomination. Dean Weaver, he's a white guy my age. And then the assistant, the the well, he's like the lead pastor, but the executive pastor, the second staff in command, is Michael Davis, an African-American man, pastor from Memphis. No, St. Louis. Uh, so they're on the four leaders of our denomination. Cool. A, a, a white female, a Korean American man, uh, Anglo dude, uh, Gen Xer dude like me, and a young African American pastor. That's what we're aspiring to. No, that wasn't done like, hey, let's fill a slot. That's organic, and yep. that's who's in our denomination. It's beautiful, and we're attempting organic growth similarly here. Wow, awesome. you came up with a Harrison. I thought you would ask something dumb like, <laughs> what food did they serve? That would have been the second question I asked, okay. but you only asked me for one. I'm impressed. <laughs> no problem. Impressed. <sighs> hey, I promised that I would address, so Abraham in James 2, in the sermon that I preached Sunday, uh, on the second half of James 2, is commended for his faith, specifically when he was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac, like sacrifice sacrifice on an altar because God had asked him to and that passage was a huge stumbling block to me 
in my honestly in the character of God. How would how could a good loving God who who reveals himself to Israel as um slow to anger, powerful in love, um forgiving, compassionate, how could that God ask his primary follower, the the follower through whom he's going initiating his self-revelation to humankind, to all human families, but he starts with this one, with Abraham. How could he ask him to sacrifice his son? Hmm. How could he even pretend to ask that? Because you know the end of the story. Abraham obeys, takes Isaac, who's likely a teenager. So all those psychological dynamics, a lot of people have done work on and even written fiction of the the psychology of this and the relate the family the father son aspect of it, uh, which I won't comment on. But he gets there and he prepares the altar and he's going to burn him. I think uh, no, there's a knife, but he's also then going to burn the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and God stops his hand and says, "Look over in the thicket, and there's a ram, a a, a sheep caught in the thicket." And God says, no, I'm the God who provides the sacrifice. I don't require it. I provide it. Pretty easy to look ahead at the type of Messiah and Savior he would send to atone for the sins of the world. Uh, This is a shadow, a foreshadowing, a copy of that. Still, God had led Abraham to believe for whatever amount. It took a journey of days to get to the, the Mount Moriah which is a mountain a peak that overlooks Jerusalem where Jesus did this for us to, to about 1500 to 2000 years I would say 2000 years later uh I think is the right timing for Abraham How, what so here here's my sense of that the way that I am not offended by God's ask of Abraham for a week or two weeks however long is that um, archaeology tells us that all of the sur- the surrounding peoples, many of the surrounding peoples, practiced child sacrifice as religiously in that day. Um, they, <clears throat> the most you've heard me say this before, Harrison. The the most heinous uh, false god being worshipped at the time was Moloch, M O L. E-C-H, yep. by the Canaanite people. So when you read things in the Old Testament about um, God driving out people and replacing it with his people who will put God's character on display, this is part of the equation. The, the, the human community in this part of the world, we know about other parts of the world too, by the year 2000 B.C., had descended. There, As Paul says in Romans 1, um, uh, humans exchanged the worship of the living God for the worship of created things. And God gave them over to degraded passions, which St. Augustine would say disordered love. When you love the wrong thing, your affections become disordered and your whole life does. And entire societies had become degraded into things such as child sacrifice. There, we could go on about this. Uh, this is history of sociology. This is archaeological facts. Uh, and the god of Molech 
was worshipped in Canaanite societies in, in the land of Palestine that we're talking about that Abraham was sent to. Uh, and then Moses brought the people of God to the doorstep of, and Joshua brought them in to inhabit. Um, there were things, do you remember the chimenea craze? Hmm. Do you know what a chimenea is? No. I don't God, know what chimenea you're so is. so young, Harrison, I forget <laughs> that. There was this, so everybody now, lots of people have a fire pit or a fire table, like a fire bowl sure. in their yard. Yep. Well, before that, it was a chimenea. It was a Mexican um, pottery, I bet now you can, yeah. I can not, picture it. I can picture it, Mexican yeah. pottery little ch- chimney that you would have outside up on an iron stand. It was a little bowl with with a chimney flute. Yep. Um, we had one. I loved it. And the boys and I, when they were young, on fall, Friday or Saturday afternoons, we'd have that puppy going all afternoon while we're playing, and I'm doing yard work, and they're playing. And we would we would place army men in places where they would slowly melt. That's awesome. It, it became this little thing we did. Yeah. Um, archaeology is on earth. The equivalence of chimeneas with shoots in the top into which an infant son would be rolled in wow. sacrifice to the god Moloch. So for Abraham, the, his, his mental map, his, his worldview included, mm. this is just what gods require. That gods are terrible. Yep. Gods, and I mean plural, gods, gods are served by humans Gods spill their blood for human. Uh, humans spill their blood to s- satiate gods, to mollify them in their antipathy toward human beings. This was Abraham's worldview, and the one true God is beginning to reveal His character to the human family, but first through Abraham, and He's reconceiving. Who? Wh- there's one God. Abraham's just getting that through. Just getting around to comprehend, comprehending the incomprehensible, the ineffable, the mystery, the ground of all being. Abraham's beginning to comprehend. And so when this one true God says, yes, I'm a God of love, and oh, by the way, you'll, it'll require sacrificing your son. Here's how I, I interpret it. Abraham going, oh, same old, same old. Yep. This is how it goes. It's just what uh, 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 different, uh, what's the phrase? Different something, same as the other guy. Um, I mean, there's there's one that uh, could politely be said, same junk, different day is kind of another way to oh, say yeah, it. Oh, yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. But since my mind doesn't com- compute profanity ever, <laughs> that's why I couldn't think of it. Yeah, totally, um, totally, totally. Uh, that's what was going through Abraham's mind. Sure. This, this, this is what we know about <laughs> divine beings. Hmm. And so God, this is this one great, fabulous, fantastic, world-changing, philosophy-changing revelation to humankind through the, prismatically given through the person of Abraham on Mount Moriah when God provides the sacrifice that he requires grace and God's sacrifice in foreshadowing that God sacrifices himself which was also prismatically displayed (laughs) I like that word um 
which we covered in our Immeasurably More series on Abraham, when God makes the, a re, the, the initial covenant with Abraham. And remember, he causes Abraham to fall asleep. And God, Abraham had, had started to do the covenant ritual, which was a sacrificial animal cut in two, put on either side of a ditch, and then the two covenant partners walk between it to sign the covenant in blood. God put Abraham to sleep, and God then was, Abraham woke up and sees God in, in the somehow personified visually as a, a smoking flaming pot passing through, making the covenant in his own blood, in his own name, hmm. on behalf of Abraham, and he will guarantee it. Because the, it's, if I break this covenant, may my blood be shed. It, um, and so, how beautiful hmm. of the God, how great is our God, how good is our God, rather than the gods that humans fell into after the fall, fell into worship of earthly things, not the one true God, uh, how good of God to come back and say, even though you have rejected me, I am adopting you all over again, and I'll pay the price for your sins so that we can be, again, in relationship with one another. How good is that? Hmm. I mean, it, it really does put a different um, twist on that that entire encounter and that entire story that's really, that's a, that's a really cool uh, prism to look at it through. That's neat. We'll save comment on the first half of James 2 for another episode, perhaps, because uh, I think that's enough for today. Sounds great. Hey, hey we, go ahead, Mike. You wrap it. You wrap it. No, you wrap it. All right. Um, hey, we appreciate, as always, you being here with us on the, on the Ask LSU podcast. You can always shoot us a question because we love interacting with your questions. Ask LFC at lakeforest.org. We get those uh, sent straight to our inbox. So if you got something that you want to hear about, just shoot it to us. We love to talk through it with you all. We appreciate you. We'll catch you next time on the Ask LFC podcast.